This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Friday, May 26th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Telski updates town council. A final day in the life of a miner with Fintan Cole and eyes to ears with Bella Eatman. For Telluride Brewing, recycling is a stickier issue. And a mountain weather forecast. But first, the town of Telluride will send parking tickets that are 90 days or older to collections on Saturday, May 27th. Tickets will receive an additional 25% fee. To check if you have an outstanding ticket, go to bit.ly slash TOT parking. The winter season finished out strong for the Telluride Ski Resort. That's according to Telski's Chad Horning. That said, you know, uh, visits to the ski mountain were down slightly. And um, it was clear this winter that that revenue, depending on the category, revenue is either peaked or is starting a decline in some areas. And while I don't consider that um, really negative, it's just kind of a reality, I think, of our post-COVID situation here. We're trying to kind of figure out the new realities of that. Horning provided an update to Telluride Town Council this week. Looking towards the summer, he says they're planning to work on several larger scale projects. We're focused on replacing Giuseppe's restaurant, which um, unfortunately we had to tear down. Hopefully we'll have a little better uh, replacement up there this for this coming winter. It's a little bit challenging with the approvals and the timing and the short season, but we think we're hopeful that we can get it done. The resort is also looking to conduct more regular maintenance and work on a large irrigation project on the golf course. Uh, There's a couple of uh, mountain bike trails that we're looking at expanding this summer in the bike park for beginner and right off the top of lift four. Hopefully we can get those done. Similar to winter, Horning says bookings are lighter this summer than the last. And it's bringing a lot of questions to the forefront about where our yield's going to be, where our occupancy's going to be. And it feels like there's a lot of uncertainty uh, in the community and, and from our perspective on that as well. And again, I just think we're we're in the very beginnings of our new COVID reality, whatever that is. And we're all going to learn what that means to our community. And we're Excited to figure out how to embrace that. When it comes to a longer trajectory, Horning says he's planning to spend time looking at the intersection of housing, hotels, and short-term rentals in the region. Those three things are the lifeblood of the community and and understanding and working with the community and the towns and the county to get this planning figured out and planned in a way that we can rely on some of it so we can tie that to... uh, how we're going to be able to put improvements on the mountain is really, really important and key to us. With that, Telski is working in collaboration with the town of Telluride to help vision and plan for the bottom of chair seven. We're excited to figure out what we can get there if we're working together, how much housing we can get. Can we get some hotel rooms? Can we get how much retail can we get? What kind of community can we put down there? And it's really exciting. We've had our first planning session with town staff and we've gotten a lot of input and we're We don't have a specific agenda other than trying to do everything I just said and trying to create something really kind of long term and special there. Telluride Town Manager Scott Robson shares the optimism and momentum to help see the Southwest Area Master Plan and development of the bottom of Chair 7 come to fruition. Just uh, ensuring that these really important last pieces of uh, of property at at the Chair 7 Carhenge area are are planned to a world class level and, and can meet community needs and TSG needs at the end of the day. That's certainly the goal. Telski officials and Telluride staff plan to begin or continue working together to vision what the area can look like. 
Town Council and the public will be brought into the conversation a little down the line. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. It's a flip of the script and pro sports update for the final installment of a day in the life of a minor. This week, KOTO News interviews Telluride High School's Finton Cole about his experience reporting for radio, and he shares basketball and hockey highlights. Finton, this is your final sports update for KOTO. What made you, way back four years ago, want to do a sports update for the radio? Well, Miss, well, I think somebody offered up the offered up the proposition, and I said, "Sure, why not?" What's been your favorite part about uh, reporting for Kodo and doing the sports update? I think the I think my favorite part was getting to do the sports updates and interviewing people. Do you have an interview that you really enjoyed getting to do? Well, I enjoy my well, I enjoyed my first interview while we while we did remote learning that you interviewed me. That was I think that was the first time we ever flipped the script. And here we are flipping the script for the last time. Um, Finton, for folks who might not know what you're gonna do next, you're graduating from high school next week. Where are you off to after this? Well, I was accepted into the college internship program in Bloomington, Indiana. So I think I'll probably go there for two or three years before deciding what I'll do next. Before that, you have a whole summer. What are you going to do this summer and what are you looking forward to? Well, I haven't decided yet, but we're going to look into that when school gets out. Got it. Finton, thank you so much for being the sports reporter for Kodo for the last four years. We have absolutely loved having your voice on the radio, and we're going to miss you. Aw, thanks. This is Finton Colander Sports Update. Game 5 will feature the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. Miami is leading this series 3-1. to one. They are running to visit the Nuggets in the NBA Championship. Whereas in the Stanley Cup Final, the Florida Panthers have reached their first Stanley Cup Finals appearance since 1996, defeating the Hurricanes in the series four games to zero. Well, that was short, but thank you so much for supporting me and tuning in for all these four years. So, I'm Fenton Cole reporting live from Toronto High School. Thank you so much. In this installment of Eyes to Ears, Telluride High School's Bella Eatman shares art that's closer to home. Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to Eyes to Ears, a Kodo segment where I, Bella Eatman, find paintings I find in local art galleries to describe to you. Sometimes I even interview some uh, local artists. But today is going to be 
a little bit different. A few episodes back, you may have heard me talk about a drawing within my sketchbook, and that you, whether you liked it or you didn't, uh, that's kind of what we're doing right now. As Wednesday, I had finished my sketchbook. Every single page in the sketchbook is filled to the brim with unorganized sketches with lots of little tiny uh, uh, sticky notes and stickers and all all that of the uh, the like. This uh, sketchbook has been through a lot and it is well worn. This sketchbook started at around September 7th of 2022 and it ended like I said, just this Wednesday, May 24th of 2023. But of all the sketches I've made, I believe this one will be the most uh, radio-worthy. We have we have our character, Caleb, a female anthropomorphic bunny with blonde, light blonde fur and orange orange fur just at the tip of, uh, tips of her ears and stre- uh, streaking the sides of her cheeks. She has a pair of cerulean blue eyes that complement the orange markings on her uh, on her face. She holds a very a ginormous ba- paintbrush that is dipped in red ink as a, and she trails that along with her as she walks down a orange uh, orangish red stream flowing uh, with a waterfall flowing uh, flowing down shimmering a gold goldish orange color but down in the lake it's all purple a royal royal purple flaming red at certain points this sketch was made with regular colored pencils but also i was experimenting with watercolor pencils i did not expect the colors that I had chose to be to fit so well, but somehow it did. It, it, it was it was a lot of experimentation, which is why there's not a lot of story to it. But I hope you enjoyed this episode of Eyes to Ears, as unscripted and foolish as it is. This is Eyes to Ears on Kodo. My name is Bella Eatman. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Maybe you've seen it at events or festivals in town. Folks peeling the label off the aluminum can of whatever beverage they're drinking. Destickering cans comes back to waste reduction and recycling. But how exactly does it affect the process? KOTO's Gavin McGough visited one of our local craft brewers to find out more. If you're an aficionado of Telluride Brewing, you might have noticed the big black print on the side of their cans reading, Peel Off Label Before Recycling. The brewery's art director and a founding partner, John Lehman, says they're committed to that commandment. It's locked in there on the template of every label that we put out there, so it's it's going out on every single one, but 
yeah, I, when I see people drinking them, I try to bring it up and ask if that's what's happening. But why peel your beers? It comes back, of course, to recycling. Here's Lehman. Aluminum is the most recycled beverage container on the planet. It's about 70-something percent of all aluminum has been recycled already. So it's definitely the most sustainable packaging. It also keeps beer the freshest because it locks the seal a little tighter and no light is getting in. So it's always been the preferred delivery method for putting beer out there for us. For a long time, Telluride Brewing ordered its aluminum cans with ink labels printed directly on them. Then, amidst the supply chain disruptions of the pandemic, all three major can manufacturers in the U.S. increased the minimum order for a custom print job to over a million cans. Chuck Skypeck, Technical Projects Director with the Brewers Association, the National Trade Group for Craft Beverage Makers, says this caused issues in the industry. For smaller craft breweries and also companies, say, that are making kombucha or cider or, you know, uh, smaller companies, that that million cans is both out of reach financially and the ability to store and the ability to sell that much of their brand. And uh, a million a million cans is simply out of their reach. The problem facing those small beer makers takes us to the packaging room at TBC where a Rube Goldberg-esque device is taking in cans labeled Kolsch, slapping a sticker on them, and spitting out a limited edition lime green Pilsner. TBC orders printed aluminum cans for its three core beers by the millions, including the ever-popular Kolsch. Then, when it produces a more limited edition beer, a smaller batch, it cans them in a Kolsch can and sticks on a plastic sticker relabeling the beer. The solution has been adopted almost universally by small brewers across the country. But wrapping aluminum in plastic affects the material's long-term recyclability, says Lehman. When you add a different substrate, such as the label, it sort of takes away from the purity of the recycling process. Skypec adds he's seen the issues firsthand. He recalls a visit to a major recycling sorter in Denver. And we poured a bunch of cans with those plastic shrink sleeves onto the the belt. I mean, material sorted, you know, single stream, which is not a great recycling solution, but it's what we have currently, you know, has a, it has the issue of sorting out all these different materials. We poured those plastic sleeved cans on the conveyor belt right before the the piece of equipment that sorts out PVC from everything else. Virtually every single one of those cans went into the PVC stream. PVC is the designation of vinyl plastic. The solution at the Denver facility involved hiring hand sorters to catch the misidentified cans. But Skypec says that is just the beginning of the complications. Then let's just say they're sorted correctly and they go on their way to the smelter. Well, a couple things happen. Aluminum is more expensive than plastic, right? And uh, some smelters will not, if there's a significant amount of plastic in a bale that recyclers are trying to sell them, they'll reject it. They don't want to pay aluminum prices for the, the weight of the plastic that's in that bale. And at that point, it probably ends up in the landfill. Even when purchased by a smelter, the plastic contamination can lead to clogs, damage, and any number of complications further down in the recycling process. Hence the label, peel your beers.
But back in the packaging room of TBC, it's an open question of whether consumers are sticking to the rule. Running the can labeler, TBC employee Hannah Kiermeyer says it depends. I personally do it. Um, I feel like if people are from around here and they drink this beer, they know. But I've had some guests over at my house and they don't peel the labels. So I always end up doing it. But... Skypec feels the effort is certainly admirable and some other Colorado breweries have been following suit. But depending on consumers, he says, can often be futile. I think Telluride Brewing is doing the right thing, but most of the recycling experts I talk to will say that a consumer-based solution is usually one of the least effective solutions. I I think that may be a little different with... um, a small craft brewery that has a you know a closer relationship with their customers, but they you know the, the technological solutions on a broader scale are what are going to solve or what are going to solve the issue. Technology is still attempting to catch up with the abrupt changes in the can industry, but there are efforts exploring paper labels and small scale aluminum inking machines. Until then, it's time to take things into your own hands. If you can't see the forest through the trees, you may be the perfect candidate for a workshop in Mountain Village next week, which will teach attendees how to see both. A community forestry workshop will cover the nitty-gritty details of individual species as well as the big picture of forest health in our region. Mountain Village town forester Rodney Walters, who will co-lead the workshop with Jeff Rainey, a forester with the state of Colorado, will discuss efforts in Mountain Village to protect its trees and lay out ways for residents to get involved with their own management and planting practices. Walters will discuss current efforts to protect the area's Douglas fir populations from an invasive beetle decimating fir trees across Colorado. Efforts are also underway to protect aspen stands in Mountain Village. The workshop will be held at Mountain Village Town Hall Chambers at 6 p.m. on Tuesday, May 30th. All of us, no matter who we are or where we come from, have stories. And some of our most impactful moments can come from just sharing them. This Monday, Telluride Theatre and Mountain Film are collaborating to put on the latest edition of Telluride's local storytelling extravaganza, The Downlow. Mountain Film guests and Telluride locals will take to the stage to share their experiences around the night's theme, The Tipping Point. The down low is free and open to the public, 18 and up, this Monday, May 29th at 7 p.m. at the Bob Black Box Theatre at The Palm. Public buildings in Colorado will be required to include all-gender restrooms later this year. That's thanks to a new law signed by Governor Jared Polis this week. New public buildings will have to include non-gendered bathrooms wherever there are restroom facilities. Similar requirements will apply to some existing government-owned buildings undergoing bathroom renovations. The law also requires all restrooms to have baby-changing stations. It takes effect on August 9th. Women have been historically underrepresented in science, technology, engineering, and math fields, otherwise known as STEM. But a science program serving students from Aspen to Parachute is introducing a new program this summer to help address that deficit. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Aspen Public Radio's Hallie Zander reports. 
According to the U.S. Census Bureau, in 1970, women made up only 8% of STEM workers. And in 2019, that figure jumped to 27%. But women make up nearly half of the American workforce, so there's still a lot of room to improve. Addison Hobbs is an educator for the Aspen Science Center and has her bachelor's degree in neuroscience. She hosts STEM exploration hours at libraries in the Roaring Fork and Colorado River Valleys. What's my number one rule rule when you get to a station? Read the instructions if it helps. And today at the Rifle Branch Library, it's mostly girls who've shown up. This is the inspired by nature theme. So we're learning about biomimicry and what we can learn from nature to solve our own day-to-day problems. She says the exploration hour attracts kids of all ages. I will even have some adults in the library come and join. I think everybody, no matter what age you are, you can learn something from our programming. Hobbs has set up a series of stations that allow students to test out their scientific skills, like observation. Yeah, so the stem sucks up the water, and where does the water go? Uh, into the air. That's Baker Casagrande, another Aspen Science Center educator, speaking with Cassidy Scarlett. They're looking at a small green plant that's covered with a Ziploc bag and little beads of water that have formed on the plastic. And that's called transpiration, is the fancy science word for that. But that's almost how the leaf is able to breathe. Hobbs says it's important to expose girls to science at a young age, but making sure they can see themselves as scientists is even better. To see that a scientist can look different. You, you don't have to have the crazy hair and like the old man Einstein vibe to do science. You can be anybody. She adds that there's a lot of STEM programs and careers available to women. And to further bridge the divide in the STEM field, girls need more encouragement to go after those opportunities. The jobs are there. The educational systems are, are there. It's just encouraging these women to not only just study it, but to go after that internship, to go after the externship, finding those fellowships. So this summer, Hobbs is introducing some new camps, including a girls in STEM class. The girls will study rocketry, robotics, and environmental science over the course of five days. And Hobbs is particularly excited that one of her students will participate. So what's this? What are you doing today? Um, making a life cycle. Eliza Spees is seven years old, but Hobbs says she started coming to the Aspen Science Center programs when she was five, and she showed a lot of motivation from the start. She has more excitement for science than I think I've ever seen in an individual. Hobbs says on her first visit, Spees was decked out with the appropriate scientific attire. The first time I ever met her, she had gloves on, glasses, ready to do science. She's always showed up to these with that level of enthusiasm. So she's probably going to win a Nobel Prize, <laughs> if I had to make any wagers. <laughs> right now, Spees is building a seed with ping pong balls and toothpicks. It's part of a biomimicry lesson where she explores how seeds are built to blow in the wind and spread out before they take root. It's activities like these that fuel Spees's passion for science. So we want to teach you guys science so that you can go off and be a scientist one day. I'm already going to be one. I know you are. But Spies doesn't know that women are typically underrepresented in STEM fields. We teach everybody science, but why should we encourage girls like you to do science? Did you know that there's not as many girl scientists as there are boy scientists? What? What? Spies has signed up for two of the Aspen Science Center's classes this summer, Girls in STEM and MD Academy, where she'll learn about different systems in the human body. 
Hobbs hopes that her role as a teacher and a scientist can be a special inspiration for girls like Spies. I think more than just the educational aspect and like teaching them the themes and the topics under the STEM umbrella, it's offering them a place to have a mentor and to have someone that can guide them in the right direction. You can learn more about the Aspen Science Center's STEM Exploration Hour and its summer camps at aspensciencecenter.org. For Aspen Public Radio News, I'm Hallie Zander. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for clear skies tonight with a low near 35 degrees. Saturday should be sunny with a high near 60 and skies should remain mostly clear overnight on Saturday with a forecast low near 35. Sunday calls for a slight chance of showers and mostly sunny skies with a high in the low 60s. Expect clear skies on Sunday night with a low around 40 degrees. This has been the news for Friday, May 26th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. KOTO News will be off on Monday, May 29th for the Memorial Day holiday. We will be back on Tuesday with Off the Record and Wednesday with more news. And now, a personal commentary. Hi, this is Douglas Tooley. It's May 26, 2023. I'm running for the Mountain Village Town Council as an independently critical candidate. The biggest untold story here in San Miguel County in this regard is the role of the county in the August 5th, 2015 Gold King Mine disaster. On June 17, 2015, PA Emergency On-Site Coordinator Hayes Griswold also visited San Miguel County regarding his second Southwest Colorado project that summer over in the Ofer area. The EPA does always have a rationale for their action. Big picture, I think it's clear they are not doing enough. The best detailed analysis I'm aware of of these problems is the 2014 book, Poison Spring, by E.G. Valianatos. What I have today is not so detailed, but I do think the political involvement of the Democratic Party in that environmental corruption is clear. Here's former County Road and Bridge Director Mike Horner at that meeting inquiring about the mine remediation approach. So it's this kind of field engineered as you go. It's field engineered. The context for this field engineering is legal settlement. The cost cutting in these legal settlements also include operating under emergency procedures, which also emit permits and public involvement. Here's former County Commissioner Art Goodtimes with a little more detail. When was the settlement with Chevron? The our legal department does it. Okay, so uh, you're operating under CERCLA, and uh, the emergency response, it, it sounds a little funny to us having this, having been going on for so long, uh, this has been a problem. Why is it suddenly an emergency? The site meets the criteria put forth in the laws. The legal framework for these actions is CERCLA, which includes joint liability. Our local mining company, Idorado, is in the chain of ownership for the Gold King Mine, but they have not been assessed. Here's yours truly going a little bit deeper. But if you talk about the testing you've already done and how that applies to your, your field engineering work and your willingness to do additional testing. If warranted, yeah. If I mean the citizen or the county employee thinks it's necessary. I mean, we don't do anything that's not really going to tell us anything. It's just somebody has some sort of thing you pull out of the air that doesn't really warrant testing. You know what I'm talking about? With this appropriate citizen, property owner, and staff involvement, 
This project was completed successfully, although the budget did go from 800k to 3 million. Who knows what would have happened without the Gold King prompting action. Senator Bennett's Durango staffer, John Whitney, was also present. Let's give him the final word. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Congressman Tipton. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.